Okay, um, so we've, we've covered King's Landing now. We're going to move over to, um, we'll use the common link of Jamie to take us over to the twins. Um, and so earlier in the episode, before uh, we see Cersei coronated, we, we watch Jamie at a feast held by Lord Frey. Um, in the feast, Jamie is uh, extremely cynical and lands some nice verbal blows on Lord Frey. Um, aside from the always enjoyable banter between Jamie and Bronn, did you guys have any takeaways from the first scene in the twins? We'll get to Arya after this, but just out of the first scene. Okay, so what I thought about that was it was Lord Frey trying to compare himself to Jamie. I thought it was a, a scene about Jamie and Jamie being like, I'm not you, if that makes any sense. Like Lord Frey saying, like, we're the same, you know, we each killed our king because Lord Frey yeah, king you know, broke North. guests right and did the Red Wedding. And Jamie's like, I didn't break, Jamie's head's basically like, I didn't break guests right, I didn't do that. I killed a fucking, like, already, for, like, all intents and purposes, already deposed sociopath before he could burn an entire city to the ground. Psychopath at that point, I would say. Yeah, psychopath. Yeah, exactly. And so I feel like that that scene was just about, like, Jamie's development. I 1,000% agree with that assessment. It's just Jamie being like, we're not the same because I did what I did to save as many people as possible... And you did what you did to get to the highest rank as possible, which Jamie did not try to become king after he killed Aerys. Like, so it's like, you can see there's actually a lot of honor in what he did, even from the beginning. And you kind of see, I think his development is really great because how it comes off is that he grows as a character. But I think some of it is that he just loses the this, like, defiance against people because... He's like, you don't fucking know me. And then he kind of just... I, I think... Yeah, it kind of wears I think off. It's, he has a lot of black marks against his name and his character that we, we've seen throughout the story. Yeah. Um, you know, dropping Bran, killing the other captive, things like that. But to the to the public of Westeros, his blackest mark is something that he did that was an extremely good act. Yeah. Yeah. And he's had to live with that ever since. Um, which is tough. Okay. Um, now there was there was one more piece I wanted to touch on. Uh, see if you guys felt this way. I thought that Jamie showed some signs of fatigue. I thought that he was also demonstrating that he's tired of the on the never ending fighting. And yeah, I mean it is just done with that part of this whole charade. Because when he tells he tells Lord Frey, you know, what good are you if we have to keep coming up here every time? someone takes back River Run. No, I agree. I think that, I mean, and I think that this kind of builds into, and Yax and I, we've discussed, we're on the same page with this. I think this builds into how Jamie kills Cersei. Like, I feel like he's just, like, current Jamie is just fucking over it all. You know, like, he's just like, this is such bullshit. And he's gonna, when he gets back to Cersei, he's gonna try, but he's gonna soon realize that, like, the reason that all their kids are dead and the reason that, like, King's Landing's ripping itself apart and that, like, you know, Daenerys Targaryen's riding up the shore. Like, it's his sister. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just think that uh, Jamie's done. Yeah. Like, I just feel like he's done with it all. Yeah, okay. Um, so let's go ahead and jump then to the, the second scene, which was short yet satisfying. Um, there are a lot of jokes in there about that. Um, but Arya, um, you know, awesome. as, as a servant girl... 
Uh, Maddox, this is something that we've been we've been wanting for a long time in a slightly different fashion. Um, it's very close to our hearts, and that is yep. the Frey Pie. Yep. Um, I'm mad about what they did with the Manderleys, and they did officially confirm that the Manderleys were bitches yeah. in the show. And right? yes. like, that they actually exist, which you guys should be totally happy about. Not that they exist. That the fact that they're bitches and that they're pussies like really pisses me off. Doesn't <laughs> but it? at least Team they truck. exist. It pisses me off a lot. Yes. Um, but the Frey Pie story is just incredible. Like Walder Frey ate his own children because they're such bitches. And for anyone that questions it, we have learned that if you've read the books, the old gods don't actually care that you feed someone's father their own children. Right, that's um, cool. Yeah, as long as you don't break guess right, you're fine. So Arya's good. Um, and I think that, like, to my earlier comment, now that winter has come, she's going to go on kind of a death rampage, which I'm super excited about. No, I thought it was great. Was anyone else shocked when the servant girl pulled, like, like from the beginning of the scene, when it was, like, Arya? Was anyone else surprised? Because I was not. No, no, no. When I saw that she served them, it was as soon as I saw that she served them, like, the meat pie. The pie. I was like, oh, yeah, I got yeah. it. Like, I the know pie gave it away for me, but I'm also, I am terrible at, like, thinking ahead during a show. I pretty much just, like, live in the moment, so. Yeah, I don't think Sarah picked up on it, but as I as I was watching it when she served the pie, so I was like, there, in my head it was kind of like a, well, there's only one reason you would show Lord Frey in this scene right now, and right. it certainly isn't for banter. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we met. We met. What were you confused with? Yeah. uh, So she's not like part of that assassin group, um, but she can still basically put other people's vases on. Like, how does how does that work? Um, So that's that's a good question. We met. There are a lot of questions I had about this segment for for reasons that are similar to that. So um, I know that you guys couldn't hear me cut out a little bit, but he was wondering, uh, she's not part of the faceless men. Where'd she get the, where'd face. she get the faces? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, quick, st- this is, I actually have an answer on this. She probably just um, murdered someone I think the book's going to do better on this. Off. It's quick story interruption, like, ba- or not story interruption. It's just story explanation. Um, the books will do better than it better than the show like we learned that because of john and sansa's little conversation where sansa was like oh sorry i didn't tell you about all those nights but like i'm just so hurt and john was like that makes sense that's really that's cool and they just like wrote that entire thing off so i i think that this is going to be another one like that we're like well we don't really have a good explanation for this but uh we just needed it to happen yeah which is which is fair because i was very the, the part that I was confused by, um, just to give people who haven't read the books a little bit of background, um, the way that this scene comes about in the books is that the Manderleys are hosting Sir Davos, uh, or Davos is there to ask them to pledge their cause to Stannis, which is funny because that seems like it's forever ago in the, in the show. Um, and the Freys are currently being hosted by the Manderleys, and so they arrest Lord Davos with this big show and they bring him down underneath the castle. And as they're talking to Sir Davos, um, they they unchain him and they lead him out a back entrance, and he has a chance to meet with Lord Frey. Sorry, Lord Manderley. Lord Manderley explains that upstairs, Lord Frey is um, in the process of dining on his sons, 
And the reason is that the North remembers, and this Mummer's farce is almost at its end. Mummer's it's so such tight. a Mummer's farce. It's so tight. <laughs> and it's it is the an amazing thing scene. that's ever happened. And it makes this seem a bit more plausible. And now I, I loved watching Arya slit that dude's throat. That was very, very awesome, and and you know hugely satisfying from a Arya vengeance standpoint. Um, but I did wonder how did Arya manage to kill two grown men? prep them for cooking and cook them with no one noticing because of the faceless man training she, you might not have I noticed it but she the, had at least three montages this season <laughs> the killing i, I mean, can no, see no, that, that, that's the end of the discussion trucks is three montages <laughs> oh and the, the pie thing you know hot pie totter so easy exactly but, but where was everybody else in the pie kitchens? training done well, she, you I know... Mean, the feast was over. She cut all their faces off. I just like the idea of her, like, walking in with a, a cart of mystery meat, and everyone in the kitchen is like, hey, who the hell are you, and what are you doing? And she's like, don't worry that about is... it, I just gotta bake for a little nah, bit. Nah, dude, Truck, that's such a fiction! You the montages? That's such a fiction. All she has to do is be like, hey, are you the person who serves Lord Frey? How about you come look at me? Like, what do you want, little girl? Murdered. I cut your face off. I put it on my face. I walk into the kitchen where everybody knows this person, and then I cook a pie made out of, you know, man meat. (laughs) Because of montages, exactly. Montage. (laughs) You only need, like, one montage for that to happen. And she had three. She had Trace. Trace montage. Okay. Okay, so she did this all in a couple hours. That's fine. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> take you take your critique back, Do and you have sh- to spell it all out for you. <laughs> you take your critique and you smoke it, sir. <laughs> no one smokes on this podcast. That's true. all right. Um, the next stop we had was Old Town. Uh, I don't really want to talk about it very much. The White Ravens left, which signifies winters arrived, um, which is great, and. There are lots of books. What about why? Why like how? Where? How does that happen? Like, I, you want to quickly cover that? Like the White Ravens? Yeah. Like, why are they white now? Um, like, wouldn't we, it be Matt like you have I, to train a raven to carry a message or what? The White Ravens it's are a just very like let's migrate from the north to the not north, it, but it's to the soon to be north. This is this. I was this is the book. This. This is something that John and I have discussed at length. Um, the Citadel Two apparently sentences. has a fuckload of white ravens that it sends out once every four years. There's no other explanation. Yeah, they're basically like the Europeans well, that's, of the raven workforce. That is stupid, then. because They're the Greeks. Apparently, the, the super, super dumb. But it's the... Oh, we John and I have discussed this on, for like an hour, and neither of us could come up with a better answer. Okay. I, I was thinking that it was like a migratory pattern thing, like maybe the White Ravens were up north, and then once it got too cold, they come down south, so it's No, bro, the Citadel winter. owns them sort of like Raven Slave situation. <laughs> oh, maybe okay. they just dye them white. I hope that's the case, because that sounds way better. They have a spray painting campaign? Yeah. That would be amazing. <laughs> that is what I want it to be. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, we don't need to talk about that in the giant library at all, really. We, we all know Sam's going to find something valuable there. Yeah, what what uh, what does Ex Machina does Sam find? Find out next right. season, <laughs> or maybe dun, the dun, season dun, after. Dun, 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 dun. We'll we'll go to Dorn next. Um, 
the only takeaway I have from the scene in Dorne is that I'm actually I'm actually okay with the Sand Snakes being back if their only role is to be verbally abused <laughs> by the Queen of Thorns the rest of the show. Exactly what I, they deserve. Dorne and the Queen and the Tyrells have just become, you know, by by episode four of the next season, they're just going to be army, like part of Danny's army. They're going to be like Force A and Force B. Like, they're just additions to Danny's group. Yeah, they're like they, they they will not play a major role again. Like they won't have major like plot points. I don't, yeah, I don't think they're going to move the wheels in any significant way. Anymore. And I think their uh, most important oh function I can see is that they might be able to provide some armored mounted troops, which is like the only thing Danny's missing right now. Um, That's true, but I mean, but you're right. I mean, the Queen of like, Thorns might play a role in like you know trying to mend relations, or not even mend, oh, just kind of bring together Danny and uh, Jon Snow eventually, because she's kind of diplomatic. Okay, we'll get to the predictions in another one. I'm not on board with the aunt-nephew banging thing that everybody's on board with Danny and John. I'm on board with I'm that. I'm not on board with fuck. that. I don't think so. Good. Okay. Um, so we can we can get out of Dorne, uh, because, yeah. We can cares. stay there for a one um, more sentence, and it's the sentence I'm about to speak after I finish this sentence. With all of its okay. running words. <laughs> Go. <Just> speak <laughs> I think that it, they, like, the showrunners somehow got these, like, two groups together, which one group is just the Queen of Thorns, and the other one is, like, the Sand Snakes, and it's like, they just mishmashed a whole bunch of elements of nonsense, and somehow they got a good scene out of it, and I was like, holy shit! Blind squirrel finds a nut, and I loved it. <laughs> that's that's true. I wasn't optimistic when they first showed it. I was thinking, oh, God, okay, finally Doran's back. We have to suffer through this. Yeah. And overall, entertaining, mostly because it was the Queen of Thorns just bitch-slapping And everyone. I was super shocked that they, like, stumbled onto that great scene. I was like, power to you, sirs. I agree. Um, okay, so let's go up to Winterfell, which is the other major location of this one. Um, John John has to send Melisandre away uh, because Davos brings it to his attention that Melisandre burned a um, child alive. Right, um, which you know no one else seemed to mind when <laughs> when Ramsay does things like this. Yes. But Ramsay, ha- you're missing points. <laughs> <laughs> Ramsey can only be killed by dogs and fists. He can't be killed by swings of public opinion, and he sure as fuck can't be killed by a thrown axe. So, um, so what? Just the thing I touch about with Melisandre is, um, what did you guys think of John's decision to send her away rather than execute her? Because that's what Davos was pushing for was execution. She has some other role to play in this, and she's going to wander around for, like, six episodes in the next season and then show back up at the season finale. And, like, like when John's about to die, she's going to, like, cast a flamethrower in the eye of another. That's what's going to happen. What I think is that it's very, um, I don't know how to exactly phrase this, because it's not in character of any human that exists. Because it's, like... If you want her around, you keep her around because you're like, I need to be revived, perhaps. Or it's like, I'm the (laughs) North, so the North Justice, cut your head off. It's like, I don't know. There's a degree of plot armor in this 
that I don't understand. He did walk a middle line there. A, a weird middle yeah. line that makes little to no sense. Because the only right. reason you would, like, because if you're so outraged with what she did, right, you just kill her. Because it's like, or is it like he's, well, she, she revived him, so he's like, this is the last one you get. This is the one favor you get. <laughs> that was an amazing Kit Harrington accent. <laughs> <laughs> she okay. killed Shree in the book, so true. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, we met. What did you think about uh, the decision to send her away rather than execute her? Uh, probably very smart. Uh, she has the ability to bring people back okay, to so life. So you think she has is... a role to play down the road, also? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, she's got some skills that are generally useful. Again, dude, not smart at all. Though, life. why would you just leave her with you? Because you can't afford to alienate Davos, I suppose. Yeah, because you don't want to piss everyone else around. Yeah, you don't want to piss off Davos, who commands no army, and nobody really <laughs> likes point. it all. Yeah, That's a fair point. What the fuck? All of Stannis' army is dead. Like, who gives a shit about yeah, what no, Davos thinks? Yeah, no, you're right. As soon as I said that, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Bro, what's, what's if so you bad about needed this? onions... <laughs> It's kind it's of like if you give a mouse a muffin. If you need a guy like, with if five shorts of fingers. For the record, he doesn't shit onions. He had to smuggle them in from somewhere. So I'm not That's sure true. where he's going to get them in the north. The truck is if you give a mouse a muffin. Okay. If you give um, so a man think that, five shortened do fingers. We think that, uh, do we think that she's going to become a bannerless bro in the future? No. I don't think so either. I could be. She's going to get back up there in like seven episodes. It's going to be terrible and the show's just going to do it. But she's going to get back up there before it matters. Don't you agree, Yax? God, you know, I just like, where does she go? Who does she like? The Bannerless Man, I think that's a good idea. I think that's that's a plausible group she meets up with. But it's like, for no, but some like, reason... Stannis didn't burn anyone alive in the books. So, like, think about that. Yeah, I know that. I get that. But I feel like Stannis is going to be defeated in the books. And I think that yes. there's going to be, like, well, then what does Melisandre and Davos do? Like, maybe Davos just dies. Maybe not. Maybe she ends up burning the other Baratheon alive. Who knows? I, she just goes she goes to Storm's End <laughs> makes us that there are two people at Storm's End and just I'm the fucking queen no I don't know I feel like she meets up with the Iron Islands people the other sect okay. somehow and it's like drown okay. God, drowned god fire god and they're like we don't make a good astrological couple but we'll try to fight <laughs> Okay, I want that to happen. <laughs> okay, um, so we touched on this a little bit earlier, but Maybe she uh, Sansa apologizes squishers. to Jon Snow and offers no attempt at explanation whatsoever. So she says, I'm sorry I didn't tell you about Littlefinger's truth. Because the showrunners are just ignoring the fact that they had to do something in order to make the two things lined up. Final answer. I think that's right. I th I thought that was right last episode. It's super stupid, but that's the only thing that makes anything that approaches fucking sense. John is just like the most under understanding person. <laughs> he really is. He's the Dalai you know Lama. What? You know what, half sister? It's all right. I I understand. <laughs> you know, because John's whole no, like it has to be that because John's whole argument was like we've asked everyone, we don't have more troops. 
So, like, Sansa can't even fall back and, like, oh, I didn't know when they would respond and all that. You know, John would have been like, oh, we could have fucking waited. Um, there, I mean, there's just no explanation. So, like, that that exchange is going to be all that we get. But here's another thing, right? So, like, why why do you need John to ask that question? Like, if you're the showrunners, if you're the showrunners and you know that there's, it's not going to make sense if he asks this question, then why do you even put it in there? Like, to me, it's like, yeah. You could just gloss over it entirely. Exactly then. right. Exactly right. I kind of agree with you And guys. then it's like, you can just kind of explain it away. It's like, if, if, if it doesn't happen similar to like this in the books, it's like, you just made a stupid gap for zero reasons. Yeah, so. That's a good point. Yeah, always, always bash the showrunners as much as possible. That's what I've learned. They, they've taken some liberties since going off the books. There's no doubt about it. So, <laughs> um, so the other thing we learned in Winterfell uh, is what Littlefinger actually wants, which I think is the first time that that's ever been stated so plainly. But it's um, obvious from what we've known about Agreed. It. Very well, obvious. I, the one part that wasn't obvious to me, I knew he wanted Sansa. I don't think I knew that he wanted to sit on the Iron Throne what? just because of how outlandish that possibility is. I feel like that, and I am a vi- I'm a novice reader of these books. I, like, flew through them. That was something I took away very much, that, like, that was his ultimate ambition. So we, but that, that just, like, assumes that he's delusional. Yes, I think that's very much the case. I, I always felt that he was too smart to think that he would ever stand a chance of sitting on the Iron Throne. Yeah, I mean... I think he's smart in, like, a certain sense and totally fucking stupid in another sense. And I think that is, like, his... his, (laughs) I agree completely. Because it's it's his pursuit of Catelyn, which is, like, to no end are you going to get her. Like, you're going to murder Ned? Sure. Then what? You're still not going to have a chance. And then you're going to go after a daughter who's, like, detests you. Like, I mean, in the show, he sells her to Ramsay, and he still thinks he has a chance. Like, I think he's, like... A tactical mastermind and a fucking delusional asshole. All wrapped up into one. Hmm. I agree completely. Okay. I hadn't really thought about it that before. I mean, I, I was thinking of it more in... I, I was viewing it more through the Varys lens, where Varys is like, I, I, no one will ever give me a chance to sit the Iron Throne, but what I can do is everything to make sure that the person who's sitting there is good for the, the you know, population. And that's because, um, yeah, to me, Varys has, like, you know, he has his other... like. Yeah, Peter Baelish has his one blind spot, and Varys has his one blind spot. You know, it's like anyone who's like associated with religion, which is a huge thing in this universe, is like batshit right. insane, and they can't be trusted. So it's like he's got his blind spots as well. Okay, um, at the very end of that scene, did Littlefinger was he warning Sansa against? ceding control to John. And I thought that Baelish was trying to make his point for why she should exert her control. And I think that Sansa, in her way of like like saying like fuck you was like I'm not playing your game. Like I'm not gonna play into your hand right now and I I'm comfortable with John being the leader here. Okay, that's that's a, that's kinda what I thought too, is that he was saying you know, if you take this mantle, then we can combine our forces and do what we want to do, which is really what I want to yeah. do, which is get down with you, the daughter of the woman I used to love. 
creepy. Um, yes. <laughs> um, and I think you're right. I think Sansa was giving a slight fu to him by not pushing the issue particularly. But I, I also think that she did seem legitimately like, okay with the idea of John leading the North uh, rather than herself. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, for John's sake, I hope she sticks around because she obviously understands the game in a way better fashion. Right, they have kind of a symbiotic relationship where John can lead the troops really well, but she can kind of do the the politics and the maneuver. But can John lead the troops very well? <laughs> okay, other than his Leroy Jenkins moments, he can inspire Although, the troops. How about that? two Leroy Jenkins moments? <laughs> Okay, he is very inspirational. The fact that he Leroy Jenkins twice, and they're still there, and they're still following him, goes to show that they'll basically follow, and they'll basically follow him through fucking anything at this point. So that's a valuable asset. That's true. That's true. Um, so, so that's it's an interesting point that that takes me to, which is they'll follow him through anything. Uh, he's turning his attention north, right? He's he's looking towards the wall. Exactly. Yes. And if that's the case, is the North at this point just done with everything going on south of the Neck? Are they just saying, you know, whatever, the Lannisters still sit the Iron Throne, but the revenge against them isn't worth the time and energy compared to defending against the White Walkers? I think that's about right. I think it's... And so in that case, pending... Without a Lannister invasion of the North, then are we thinking that the next time there's any sort of interaction with the North in another region is when Danny is there and has kind of cleaned up the rest of Westeros? I don't know if that's true. I think they'll definitely be like a little farce where Sansa's like, hey, yo, we gotta go down south. And John's like, there's no fucking way that's gonna happen. And then I think there's going to be a few ravens that are like, hey, dragons are torching our entire landscape. Please help. Signed, Sir uh, Robin of the Aaron, the guy who saved you. And John will be like, oh, drats, we got to go and save them. But then he'll be like, oh, do we? I don't know. <laughs> what the fuck? Who, how, I don't know. I'm not a mastermind. <laughs> okay. Uh, wait a minute. What do you think? Um... A less animated version of what Eax said, where, yeah, it's just going to be basically, they're going to be trying to focus on the North, or John's going to be trying to focus, uh, they'll get word that Danny's kind of rolling in, and eventually it'll be like, oh shit, we're really overwhelmed here, we should probably, you know, get a hold of these dragons, or basically bring her to the fight in some way. So I think, uh, yeah, that's basically how that's going to go down. So, Maddox, do you see that playing out in a just immediately asking for an alliance situation? Do you anticipate John, uh, you know, reenacting the King Who Knelt moment and just ceding control to Danny entirely from the beginning? Um, kind of what do you think is going to go on when, um, when that moment comes? That's like the kind of $10 million question to me. I think that it's going to be a more symbolic moment and that Dan- basically John's not going to lose his authority if that makes sense okay i think that makes sense and you know it's not the song of fire it's the song of ice and fire 
No, and he's going to do all of this, but he just isn't in that moment, you know? Yeah. I don't think that there's, it's going to be a, like an immediate thing where like Danny shows up and she's like, kneel to me, I'm the queen of dragons. And John's like, okay, but also you got to fight these zombies. I think it's going to be a lot more complicated <laughs> than that. I think that there's they're, they're like through some form or another, like what a cop out that would be. Like you have this entire political backdrop like, all these warring factions, and then it's, like, in the end, what you're gonna do is one faction destroys the, you know, what we've been working on, this entire conflict, just fucking crushes it, then they get to the North, who are our supposed protagonists, and they're like, kneel to the Queen, and they're like, but they're zombies! And then it's like, <laughs> oh god! We gotta fight them! And it's like, we're teammates now! Fight! It's like, that seems like such a fucking cop-out. Like, if that happens, I will fucking, like, no, I won't watch it. I will stop watching it. Because that, it's not yeah. fun. It's stupid. Yeah. Can I write, like, six different hypothetical <laughs> endings for you to just read into a podcast? <laughs> yeah, you can. I can do that for you. If, 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 if one of them is, squishers rise out of the sea, the narrow sea is filled with squishers. And they inhabit one of them, their black stone castles. A laser beam shoots down and murders everyone. <laughs> That's my favorite ending. One of them will definitely be Squishers. And unicorns. Um, I, I, I mean, I have a question on... So it sounds like we're kind of assuming that Danny's just going to go and raise everything. I feel like she showed a lot of restraint uh, when she was basically saying that like everyone in the Iron Islands isn't going to be going and looting and pillaging all the time. I feel mm-hmm. like she's showing an intent to essentially build a a peaceful union between everybody. So I feel like everyone's kind of trigger happy on the idea that she's going to go and just start kicking everyone's ass right away. I think she's going to at least first yeah. try. I don't know if she's going to destroy everything, but she can't lose to like anybody. There's nobody who stands right. a legitimate chance against her. That I can she already see. has Dorn on her side, which means she has a safe place to land and the her Tyrells. troops. Um, she has the Reach, which is the next region north to move through, which is also the most um, kind of fruitful land in terms of um, food, which is going to become an issue here soon with winter coming. Um, this, the Stormlands, as we discussed, are barren. And I and think no there's a reason anymore. for that. I think there's a reason that nobody's in the Stormlands right now, because I think once Danny is like established on Westeros, that the Stormlands become Heron Hall Part 2, only... It's just melted into death, right? The Stormlands or King's Landing? Stormlands. The Stormlands. Not King's Landing. I think King's Landing is a, like, it's this kind of, it's a capital. So she's like, well, this is the capital. I want to sit on the Iron Thrones. But she's like, what about the Usurper, that fuck? The Stormlands get melted into nothing, and no one's there, so it doesn't matter. Like, you can't just destroy King's Landing because it has so much cultural significance it has some significance in the book but in the book after renly is killed the stormlands are basically barren so i think she just destroys those right okay so she destroys the stormlands yeah and i like i said i think someone else said i don't think that she's going to raise everything but i think she's going to have a fairly clear path to the lannisters yeah and that's what i think. and the lannisters i think she's going to obliterate yep i think lannis port is fucked slash they'll also Agreed obliterate completely. themselves yeah, also that. 
Okay, um, so the last question I have for the Winterfell section is, I, I think that Sansa is cool with Jon in command, but do you guys have any idea what, what Sansa actually wants to do? Does she want to, to turn her attention south? Um, I think so. I don't think so. Yeah, I think she does. Dissenting opinions. Huzzah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Yax, you go first. Tell me, tell me what you think, buddy. Yeah, I think we've we've covered this kind of at length because it's. I think it's this natural farce that happens where Sansa's like, "This is really important. These people killed our kin. You know, like we got to go avenge them." And John. It's like gonna be a flip. It's gonna be like this flip of roles where John is all of a sudden the reasonable one, and Sans is the one that's like going headlong into like avenging things and being crazy. It'll be a it'll be a great farce. Everyone will laugh, and then it'll be like a fake plot, and then three episodes in, something or another will happen. Um, I I, I do think that there's something to be said for the fact that she's now the heir to River Run with Edmer back in captivity, I believe. She's technically has a claim on that. Now, how much anyone in Westeros cares about legitimate claims at this point um, is a different story. But she would have some justification for marching on River Run, uh, freeing Edmer Tully, and, and kind of going from there. That's true. Um, so, uh, we met. you also think that, that she's kind of looking south at this point? Yeah, I mean, she's got a bunch of allies built up. She's kind of a little high off of winning that fight. Like, at this point, it's going to come down to how much John's going to be able to convince her that, no, us going south right now is not the really important thing to do. Maybe it, they might do it a little differently, and maybe her going south won't be to, like, try and conquer or try and get retribution, but it might be more of a trying to rally. Again, this all kind of depends oh, okay. on how much John is able to convince her that the real fight is up north. So that so I think that she's securing more troops. Yeah, I think she's going to take more of a diplomatic role. Interesting. Okay, I hadn't thought about that before, but I like that idea. Um, Maddox, you do not think that she'll be turning her attention south. What, what do you think? What do I think? Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of people um, hanging out up in the north that you know, are still trying to scheme up until the moment they see a White Walker, you know? So you're I'm on so my glad first you said thing. that, because that segues perfectly into the final part of this, which is Bran and uh, Benjen and Mira up, up near the wall. Does and that make sense, though? Like, it's like... It does. I mean, it makes sense. The only, the only reason that I could see that not happening is that we saw how little the Tarleys believed in White Walkers still. And the White Walkers have yeah, been exactly. biding their time. But so the I Tarleys the are pretty vale. far south. They are. They are. But I could see the Knights of the Vale just saying, like, well, screw this. We're not going to wait around for White Walkers to come that we don't even believe exist. We're going to go south. But then now, they show I, that up. Would leave, that would leave John with the Army of the North still and the wildlings what, what's left of them to go to the wall 100 of them um well yeah but the wall is also a formidable obstacle on its own is it once brand goes underneath it yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk about that because that's gonna be a problem um <laughs> but but i could see that that's i think that the diplomatic mission that we might mention is interesting because i could see sansa sort of leading that 
to get the to- you know kind of secure the riverlands. Um, That's a good maybe, point. Maybe I find Arya. That's a good because point. she'll find out that Lord Frey has um, eaten a kid and died. Also, um, same day, bad day, and bad day, um, <laughs> and and try to secure the riverlands again. Um, you know, maybe she'll do it to to secure them for a later fight against the White Walkers. But but I could see her doing that. Um, rather than just hanging out and being John's hand of the King of the North. Exactly. Okay. Um, so yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the Wall and the White Walkers. Um, the White Walkers, despite uh, cleansing Hardhome last season and uh, essentially turning as many of the White Walk or, or as many of the Wildlings and as many of the living population north of the Wall to their side as possible, have not made an appearance at the Wall yet. Um, they have piddled about the uh, beyond the wall area. They appeared briefly to um, end the lives of Hodor and Summer. Rest in peace, guys. R.I.P. Um, and since then, again, just just piddling about north of the wall. Um, when we see Bran, Benjen, and Mira, Benjen points out to Bran that there were spells woven into the wall during its construction that prevent the dead from crossing. That seemed like an opportune moment for Bran to say, I feel like I've experienced something similar, but he said nothing. So my theory is that Bran crossing the wall will undo those spells, much like it did when he was branded by the Night's King in his warg vision. And that will allow the White Walkers to cross some somehow. Um, yeah, okay. I think that whole scene was more of a device to inform the viewer, because, you know, book book readers are already aware of all this, um, but they, they're really not doing a great job of explaining that whole spell factor in the actual show. So yeah, I think that was more of a foreshadowing event saying trying to allow the viewers to piece things together essentially. That's true. Yeah, I think ex- that's exactly what's going to happen. But what 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 in what really pisses me off about that is that Benjen was like the first ranger of the Night's Watch and like the wildlings used to scale the wall and you know, go about and do their shit. It's like, Benjen, if you really wanted to get over the wall, you could just go over it, right? Like, wildlings have been think... doing it forever, apparently. Well, he might be well, no. slightly so what I'm, dead. What I'm picturing but, it but is that he's is the Kurt White Walker. Yeah. And, yeah. and, but hang on, we watched the scene in the Three-Eyed Raven's Cave where anything that was of that nature just exploded upon crossing the line. So I'm thinking of it more as like an infinite barrier where those spells are rather than a um, just a physical barrier. Like they can't go through the wall. But I think it would also prevent them from going over. I don't know for a fact. But going That's just, o- that, that was the way I read it. Really? Going over too. That was the way I read it. I mean, the the ones that ran into that cave just immediately poofed into into dust. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, 
I mean, there might be like a radius from the wall that they can no. stay outside of. So if they build like some siege tower to go over, I don't know, or dig really deep under, they might be able to swing it. But yeah, it seems like anytime you get X distance from the actual wall, you just disintegrate. Well, what happened, what we saw with that tunnel is they got into the tunnel, they were inside of it, and then there was like a little point where they all exploded. I mean, I think we're splitting hairs at this point, but... So, Maddox, um, as far as I know, there's nothing in the book that gives us any extra detail on what exactly the spells are capable of or anything like that. Is there anything that you can think of? No. Okay, that's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure. Um, but but I did think that was a bit of foreshadowing, much like uh, Jamie mentioning that they would burn a city to the ground for their kids and that <laughs> Tyrion mentioned the wildfire under the Sept of Baylor. Um, I think that... Benjen mentioning the spells that protect the wall and prevent the dead from crossing um, will come into play. And of course, again, Bran neglected to mention the fact that he undid a spell just like that uh, a few days ago. Um, but after that, he goes and grabs a weirwood tree and goes back in time again to visit the Tower of Joy. And now we don't have to refer to this theory as something abstract. Right, which is great. Um, so I, I will ask a question about that though. So, so he watches Ned go up into the tower of joy. Ned finds his sister. His sister is lying on a bed covered in blood. She's got a big bloody gash in her midsection. Um, and she asks him to, to make a promise. Um, he asks, she asks him to promise to protect him and he gets handed a baby. Um, and there's a weird mic cutout uh, when she goes to name the name of, what we all assume is Rhaegar Targaryen. I think it's Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna's baby. Is there anyone who thinks that the the no, cutout? That's unquestionably, what it is, dude. No, dude. Okay, it's obviously Ruse Bolton's child, and it's actually Ramsay Bolton. <laughs> no. 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 Oh, no. You, oh no? no. You're wrong. Oh, I'm wrong. Uh, oh, I was a, that was an incorrect opinion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the only reason I ask is that there's been some internet hubbub that because they dropped that one piece of audio where it would have confirmed it for sure, they're saying maybe there's something else, and I was so, thinking to myself, that's dumb. So you but. don't think that when they showed the baby's whole face in the screen, and then that face transmorphed into Jon Snow's face, that wasn't enough of a fucking the baby metaphorical the baby, yes. message? Yeah, because the baby would have been the same baby. It's a question of the father. I agree. I just wanted to make sure. Because, like I said, there was some internet communication about it, and I was thinking, no, it's it's Rhaegar's, goddammit. But, okay. So, the, the big question I have after that, and this will be the last question of the podcast, is, well, my last planned question of the podcast, is that means that there are now two people that know about John's parentage. One is Bran Stark, yep. and one is Howland Reed. Okay. We haven't seen Helen Reed ever. Ever in the show and in he's a long time. He's not going to be in the books. show. He's done. He's going to be in the show. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Not in a major way. He will be in a major way. So my question is, how does John learn about his parentage? Bran, clearly. Bran's going to tell him? Yeah. And then my other question is, other than 
my theory that you have to be part Targaryen to ride a dragon, and therefore John will be another dragon rider. Does his Targaryen lineage matter to anyone else in the Seven Kingdoms? No. I don't think so. No. And especially okay, if maybe Danny. Daenerys, maybe Danny. Well, if Daenerys is there, I think that it kind of he doesn't. It doesn't matter that he's half Targaryen. Okay. Now I have one other question for Matic that I just wanted to kick okay. your way as a theory. Is it possible that Rhaegar and Lyanna got married as they were running down to the Tower of Joy, and that Jon is in fact not a bastard? Of course, one hundred percent possible. In fact, it's more likely than fifty percent. Yeah, I like that. Mm. I think that John is not a bastard. I think that I I think that that's more likely than fifty percent. Yeah, because Rhaegar was married to Elia Martell, but he's the prince, and I'm pretty sure he can be like, "Yo, marry me, dude." Exactly. I think that it's more than likely than fifty percent. Interesting. Here's a quick question. I promised I would bring this up. Do you think there? And this is a care. This is a Carrie Nyer theory that she wanted me to okay. weave into here. Do you think there's any significance to the fact that Daenerys, Jon Snow, and Tyrion's mothers all died as they gave birth to them? Okay, I am glad you asked this. So this was part of the the reason that the people online were talking about the possibility of it not being Rhaegar's child. And their theory was that the Mad King. Um, similar to the theory that Tyrion is part Targaryen, is that the Mad King raped oh, Joanna shit. Lannister, producing Tyrion Lannister, and, then and that he raped Lyanna Stark. Stark, producing Jon Snow. The Mad King had a, a history of trouble, troubled childbirths, a um, lot of deaths, a lot of stillborn. Oh yeah, I just like remembered that, that now. So that's that was part of the reasoning behind that theory. I still don't buy it in John's case. Um, it can be genetic. He could have passed it to Rhaegar. Right. <laughs> Genetics in the Seven Kingdoms. Look it up. They're all tied together is basically the moral of that story. <laughs> um, so, Maddox, what do you think? Yeah, I just... No. Or is it just that it's medieval times and a lot of people died in childbirth? Exactly. Like, no. Like, I don't agree with the premise that it is intertwined. I don't agree with the premise that it exists. Just, no. I don't think it matters. <laughs> All right. Well, Maddox's shutting that one down. Well, I, yeah. I'm, well, I'm going to echo Maddox's sentiment. I think that, yeah, it's just more of a... These things kind of tend to happen, especially when you're in a situation where you can't have the best care available right away. And, yeah, people die. Is it is it too late in the in the series at this point for wild reveals of that nature? Uh, have they done a great job? I'm worried about the show. So I feel like at this point the show is starting to dictate kind of where the story is going to go. And have they done a good job of revealing that? Yeah, and so what I mean is, are, are they just at this point? Is it like, look, we've set up what's going to happen with the the you know final battle of this series, and at this point we're just going to get there rather than throw more so wild. Yeah, like okay so also Daenerys's mom died after after giving birth to her right so she like she just died i mean so it wasn't just two it's the, all three of them had the same phenomenon so that's 
Just wanted to clarify that. I'm not... <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. It's three of them. Yeah. On that note, I think it's a good time to wrap up this podcast. And um, I'm glad that y'all could listen to this. I hope that you enjoyed our uh, attempt number two at a four-person podcast. Um, I'm happy to announce that we will be having some more podcasts coming over uh, the intermission here between now and season seven, where we talk about Game of Thrones, uh, part of a reread and rewatch um, partnership. And we will be going ahead and potting on that. So um, please stay tuned for more updates, and we look forward to talking to you later. Thank mm-hmm. you.